Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast that dedicates itself to focusing in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. And this, of course, works in both business professional relationships as well as our personal lives. And a lot of times those will cross over, as we're going to learn today from our very distinguished guest. We have Dr. Barbara Dallapetze, and from her name being Italian, she's joining us today from Northern Italy. Um, Barbara is a PhD and international recognized coach, leadership, development expert, as well as an author by her capacity to inspire, empower, and with her unique ability to connect and tune in with people from highly diverse cultures, as well as backgrounds. With over 18 years of global experience, as well as living and working in China, Hong Kong, Australia, Canada, Europe, and the United States, Barbara has partnered with executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, members of family, small businesses, young talents, to help them make paradigm shifts in the breakthrough so that they can effectively create large-scale changes in both the society as well as in the world. She rarely believes that there are solutions to problems that do not begin with the hearts and minds of people, so we're getting into that today. Hence, she focuses her work on the inner work of leadership, and that's going to be so critical to a lot of you today listening in. She has published and co-authored and edited two books. She's currently the author of her current memoir, The Unexpected Gift, a true life story of a woman's journey, self-discovery, and renewal after the implosion of her marriage. She's passionate about changing the conversation about women, diversity, and inclusion to one that inspires gender and intergenerational collaboration. Her PhD is in ontology, and I must admit, I had to look that word up to make sure I knew what we were talking about. She's also studies in neurolinguistic programming, a whole lot of stuff we can get into, and I could spend the whole uh, 40 minutes or so today just reading her credentials. Dr. Bellapetze, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me here, and thank you for your generous introduction. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to learn and learn more about you. As I've, uh, we were talking offline, uh, the Teamwork Advantage is now listened to in uh, over 30 countries around the world, as well as across the United States. And we're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about your background. But let's kind of get started, if we can, about... Where you grew up, and we were talking, you grew up in Italy, but tell us about how you got to where you are. You, you know, you've got a PhD. I mean, you, you've got credentials that came from so many different places, which I find fascinating. Well, actually, what took me where I am now was my curiosity. And it all started when, during university years in Italy, I went for the first time to study abroad. And at the time, abroad for me was Germany. I spent one year in Germany at the university, and uh, that was my first experience, substantial experience outside my country. And that somehow opened for me a world because after that year passed, I decided that I wanted to live abroad because I wanted to learn about different cultures, different people. I fell in love with diversity and I found so much growth in interacting with diversity that basically I decided to move from Italy and I never stopped for the following 20 plus years. 
and 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 if I may add one more thing, mm-hmm. uh, when I made that decision, um, my father and the community where we live, they they started the uh, anti-kidnapping movement in Italy because uh, the time mafia was kidnapping a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, wealthy individuals. Wow! And uh, uh, some family friends' daughter was kidnapped. And so um, this movement started and it became a big thing in Italy uh, during those um, years. And uh, I was uh, witnessing what was going on there with the, my father and the, commu- and the people from the community working together and eventually being able to free this uh, person. And these made me also want to contribute to uh, the bigger community and to the world. So this combination of facts started me on my journey and led me where I am actually today. So let's, let's talk for a moment. Where did you do your undergraduate studies? And then you're, you, you've, done, you, you've been all over the world. And that's fascinating to me because you didn't go to one place and get all your degrees. You, you've mm-hmm. been to several places. So tell us about that. Yes, I started uh, as I guess everybody does in, in my own country. So I started in Italy. And I started from my city in Verona and I did my undergraduate studies. Then I decided to change city within Italy and I went to Rome to do my first postgraduate studies. And then after that, I moved to Hong Kong. And so I decided to do my PhD in Hong Kong. And after that, because I was curious, I, was start, I started a research cluster and I was leading a research cluster at the University of Hong Kong and it was on philosophy, therapy and medicine and I was studying pain and suffering. I wanted to learn more about uh, psychology and uh, techniques and some uh, counseling. And so I decided to do some other postgraduate degrees that was in Australia. <laughs> and so <laughs> I did that there too. Um, my PhD, I forgot to say, I did it between Hong Kong and Germany. So it was a constant interaction between different cultures, actually. My, my education has been, uh, um, yes, I, I built my education in many different um, systems. And that was also very interesting. And then I, I, I taught at the university in China. And uh, that was another experience and I so I was constantly exposed to diversities in terms of the way I was studying the systems I I was studying in and also then where I applied my studies and uh, where I could operate with my studies so it was very very a very interesting experience I think I was very fortunate to do this. Was that by design or just by well let's go here and do that? No, not at all. Actually, it was not by design. I thought that I was done with my studies when I left Italy. Uh, but then uh, it just happened that I, life invited me um, to take these opportunities. And I just uh, followed, basically. My, my PhD, I started it um, when I finished my um, graduate studies in Italy. A professor asked me if I wanted to collaborate with him. And so I, I started in Italy to do this, but then the opportunity to move to Hong Kong came. And so I suspended that. And it just happened that in Hong Kong, I became aware of the possibility of 
picking up where I left and continuing okay. in Hong Kong. And so I looked for the opportunity and I found it. I got a scholarship and I did my PhD there. And then basically following um, and a desire to learn more, to expand my knowledge, to become a better professional and to follow what I was curious about and passionate about that was helping people and know more about how I can help people. Uh, that's simply um, how it came about. And I just uh, followed what life presented uh, at the time. And that was it. If I had planned it, I probably would have not been able to do it. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a common, common theme with a, with a number of folks, uh, our guests here on the Teamwork Advantage is they go to start going down one path and then something takes them in a different path. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that as well as fascinated by those uh, who are able to know from a very young age the direction they want to go and then pursue that. So it's kind of fascinating. Now, your PhD is in ontology. Yep. Now, that's O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y. So it's ontology, not oncology. So there is a big difference by one letter there. And so I had to look it up, uh, Barbara. And of course, what I found was the definition that says, the brief one, the branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of being. Yeah. Can you just expand on that a little bit in your words? What is ontology so that we can help the listeners here about understand it? And how does it apply to leadership? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for the question. I don't get it very often outside the academic circles. So thank you very much. <laughs> and, and actually, ontology is the study of the structure of the human being. Um, and it is really the study of being. And to me, it was... Um, extremely important because I deal with people. My, my, how I work, I always work with people. The human, uh, humanity is my, is, is the way I conduct my life and I work with, with people that that's my product. I don't know if I can call it product. And I really wanted to know my product. <laughs> allow me to say this very, very well. And so when I had the opportunity to do this PhD, I really wanted to study and investigate and research uh, what is it that, that belongs to the human being from a philosophical perspective. And it goes really deep in, in trying to uh, understand, explore, investigate the human being. Just to give you an idea, and, and maybe this makes it even more simple. Uh, I did study a cup for a couple of years architecture because that's what my family business, um, my, my okay. father is an architect, right? And so for a couple of years, I did study architecture at the university. And at a certain point, Greg, I thought, you know what? It is too early for me to study material things, to study how to build walls and villas and houses when I don't even know how a human being that will inhabit those places is made of what what is a human being about and so i decided to stop studying architecture and i decided to turn to philosophy because that's what i was looking for i wanted to learn more about the human being and ontology now, goes at the core of it so how did your family take it when you switched from architecture to ontology well that was quite a challenge in <laughs> fact because uh, and and i write about it in my book as well it was my first challenge and i think that was the first time i started building the foundation of leadership 
to go back to your question before, uh, it was very difficult because from their perspective, uh, me being an architect would have been uh, um, much, much easier, more straightforward. My father had a successful business and I could have just uh, continued with this family business. And uh, from their perspective, it would have been just fine. And it, it probably would have been much easier than what I ended up doing. But uh, to me, there was something inside that was too strong and I could not say no to. And so I um, I went against them because when I delivered the news at home, of course, everybody was shocked and uh, they did not support at all my decision. Um, my grandparents, they were involved, my parents, uh, and th there was a little bit of a turmoil that I caused, which I did not expect in that way. And uh, nonetheless, I decided to stand up for myself and what I believed okay. in you and, and, uh, and eventually um, I, ha I helped them to understand that I was not betraying the family by doing this. I was following what I felt was my um, Your calling. path and my calling. Yeah. Yes. And it's fascinating to hear that about folks because in many cases, Parents think that, oh, they're abandoning me, but it's really not. It's, it's finding your own direction and being able to build on what you've learned as well as everything else. And every time we make an alternate change, there's something we learn from it that we can apply both backwards and forwards in our lives. Yeah. And so we can always start to work on that. So let's, let's kind of get into a few things here, if we can, about leadership and entrepreneurs and business. And of course, we're going to talk about your, your memoir that's out. But there are some essential traits you, you talk about that we need to nourish, both as entrepreneurs, uh, as you and I are, as well as leaders, in order to navigate and thrive. Because today, through this pandemic, we have learned that we are truly a global culture in so many ways. So what are some of those traits that we need to develop, nourish, and build on um, for both managers, leaders, entrepreneurs, all the way across the board? What I would say uh, is, is um, we do need to be capable of recognizing ourselves, our inner leadership traits, meaning mm -hmm. uh, the way we know ourselves in terms of our emotional world, our mindset, what's going on inside of us. Because uh, as I like to speak about it, we need to create, I believe, what I call inner transparency. Imagine a watch, a Swiss watch with all the mechanism, you know, those beautiful watches that have the, the glass and you can see inside all the mm -hmm. mechanism and those things. Well, that's exactly what I think I, we need to be today. We need to have to be clear about those mechanisms. We need to have them polished. We need to have them working very well and create really that cleanness and that transparency inside. Because the world is so complex now, it is so fast that once we have uh, our inner engines that work properly, then we can focus our energy to actually apply skills and technicalities and obtain results and, and be performing at our peak. If the inner world, if our inner traits are not working properly and they keep uh, stopping and we need to focus on them 
all the time in order for them to work and for us to be actually able to work, then it is a lot of wasted energy, right? If And, and so mm-hmm. I think that what's very important today for us is really to work on these inner leadership traits and really understand how to manage those. Okay. Now, speaking from personal experience here, and I'm thinking this is probably true for thousands of people listening, and that is making a transition like that. And I love the phrase inner transparency. Um, Here in the United States, of course, there's a lot about transparency and transparency leadership and everything. You're bringing in a different element, which I find fascinating, and that's inner transparency. And that goes to something that one of my mentors used to say, people must be consistent between word and deed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And so how, if somebody is a little different outside or different at work than they are at home, and I don't necessarily mean in just communications and styles, because that's one thing. But if there is that difference and the person realizes they need to be more intertransparent and congruent, mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas on how someone could work towards that? Well, what comes to mind now that you mentioned is I would say that emotions and the way we feel is the first indication. Because when, we're, when we, ha- we are not congruent and we are in a way when we are at home or by ourselves and we feel free to be ourselves, the most authentic self. But when we are outside, we are different. There, there is a conflict somehow that happens. And so we have an inner conflict and, and we have emotions that maybe become like um, frustration or stress or anxiety or fear. There might be some unpleasant emotion that, that, that pops up. And I okay. think that those could be indication and messages that we want to start following to check with ourselves. How far are we from who we actually are. So how, how much are we selling ourselves, so to speak, and our authenticity, because we think that it would be better to show up in a certain way rather than how we are. And so it is a process of constant learning through how we feel and how inadequate sometimes we feel. Mm-hmm. We learn if we want to, of course, if we want to, we learn that there There's is a, a way. Phrase. Yes, there is a way to be, to learn to be authentically ourselves and to show up as such. But there is a gap. There is. Now, what if, okay, just hypothetically, what if the person we are presenting outwardly is who we want to be more like and not necessarily uh, our authentic selves? In other words, there's some people who are very gregarious inside Uh, on their authentic selves, but they need to compose themselves a little differently outside. So they do it outwardly. How can they bring some of that outwardly then into their personal side? Is that possible? So if I understand what you are saying, you are saying, what if it is, it serves the purpose, maybe I am shy as a person, but in order, in order to achieve something that I want to achieve, I want to show up as being less shy. Right. Right. And, and, uh, 
And uh, if I am, I would say that if I am able to do that, that means that it is also p- part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And and if I feel that that could be part of who I am, or, or if it is who I want to be more and more, I think that there, there is a, always a degree, a continuum, right? From being right. shy and right. being not shy. And so it is, it is up to me to learn little by little how much of not shy I want to be. Right. So there and then is bring a, that into your inner self. But you, you bring it back to your inner self if that's what you want to express and be, because I think we have in us, there is all potential for everything, mm-hmm. as philosopher would say. And it just depends on what you choose that you want to express or how much you dare to 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 experiment with yourself. Right. And 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 I love that phrase, experiment with ourselves. Yes. And, and you, you want to experiment because you want to be the best version you can be in mm-hmm. any moment. And we are not always our best version, but we can, we can aim at becoming more and more what mm-hmm. we believe could be a best version. And at the same time, we want to remain open that there mm-hmm. is something that exceeds even what we want. And so right. we can be more and surprise ourselves right. <laughs> with more. So, and I think that that leads us into the question in your book, you talk about, uh, I think the term is radical friends. Yes. And explain to me what you mean by radical friends and how do they come into play in our lives? How are they part of the key parts of our lives? That's kind of an interesting thing for me. I like the term radical friends. Oh, I love that term. I, I, the first time I, I, I mentioned it to some friends because I wanted to put it in my book, it was, oh, radical, what it is, why is radical? It does have a negative connotation. I'm like, no, radical friends are those that are steadfast. They are there. They see you. They believe in you. They, they want to know you more and they are not, um, they, they don't shy away if what you go through becomes difficult and they are called in to be part of that challenge. So for me, radical friends, I went during my experience, they were, yes, long-term friends. I am blessed with uh, uh, long-term friends. And when I say long-term friends, I mean really 30 plus, even 40 years of friendship. And they are still in my life and we we love each other and we change together. We transform together, even if I've been living all over the world and they have not. So radical in the sense of really being rooted, profoundly rooted in life and uh, in love for you. They really care. They authentically And they're care. not afraid to, they don't back down. If you've done something that's not authentic or not congruent, they're not afraid to uh, tell you that. No, they are not afraid and they don't judge. Mm-hmm. Because when, when I think when my idea of radical friends are there, they have learned and we both, both sides, we have learned not to judge each other. So I feel free to be vulnerable with you. I feel free to be successful with you. I feel free to fail with you. I feel free to be in any way because that's me. And so mm-hmm. I'm free to be me. And I know that you are not going to judge me. You are going to welcome me, but you are also going to tell me straight what you think it is right. not right for me. 
So they are pressures, they are pressures. And I think that as I write in my book, we all should have a, a radical friends account <laughs> where, <laughs> because we, it takes time to build those relationships and we need them both in, in difficult times but we also need them in beautiful times because sometimes I do believe that we don't say enough that when we have exciting moments in life, we do want to have people to share them and people that really care about us because uh, as it is for difficult moments, so it is for very beautiful moments, we do need to celebrate them with people that love us and that we love and that they are there and they can see us. And allow me to add one more thing. Okay. Radical friends are those who can, and I love this expression, they can sing your song so that when you are lost in life and moments where you are adrift, mm -hmm. they sing your song and they bring you back to yourself. They remind you of who you are and they remind you where you come from and they remind you of what you can do. And that's very powerful. That is. That, that's, that's so powerful. And I think that's going to lead us in a direction, if, uh, if I can go down this path now, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. There's, NLP has been used and tossed about in the United States for years. How do you define NLP? Well, I don't know how I would define NLP, but what I can tell you is that NLP has taught me the power of language, the power mm -hmm. of the language we use and how it impacts our life right. and how we, our brain operates. And that in turn goes back to radical friends because radical friends can say things to you in a way that a casual acquaintance may not be able to say something to you because you may interpret it differently. Am I on the right path there? Um, yes. Although I would say that um, what I exactly because, uh, because of NLP and also because I am in love with human beings, <laughs> I, even if a foreigners or somebody that, that I do not know and is not a radical friend says something to me because NLP says that there is always a positive intent in any actions and action could be okay. also communication. I have learned to take whatever comes my way as a, an opportunity to find some positive uh, out of whatever um, I am hearing, if it is a stranger that speaks to me, for example, right? And if it is not the content of what a person says is my reaction to it. So I'm learning something about me. And that's, that is actually something that uh, NLP taught me. Radical friends uh, are, the, are at the deeper level than a stranger in terms of the trust I have and how much I really can rely on them. Mm -hmm. But uh, they are also at the same level as to my, um, it is as, as to how I interpret whatever they say, being it a radical friend and be also a, a stranger. But this is part of my growth. Once I have learned that I can trust you as my radical friends and I can listen to him or her, even if they don't, I don't know them and they don't know me because what they say has something to teach me nonetheless. Right. Yes. 
That's so cool. I, I, that's fascinating to grasp on that. I have been a lover of NLP for years. I've never really gotten into it as deep as I would because it's not an easy thing to really get deep into. It takes time. And you've taken the time to really grasp that. When we, when we think about business, we also think about our personal lives. And I've said this for years that we spend more time at work than we do with our waking hours with our families lately. Well, I'm not sure that's still the same throughout the pandemic with everybody around the world working remotely. <laughs> I think now people want to go back to work to get away from some of the families. Mm -hmm. um, but let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, there is that crossover in there. And that crossover is part of what is in your memoir. So talk a little bit about the, the crossover of business and professional, if you can, from your experience. Um, yes. Well, what I've learned from my experience, and particularly when I, it, it happened that I went through a, a divorce and actually my marriage imploded, as I say, um, the experience that started then uh, constitute the foundation of the leadership development that then eventually um, mm -hmm. showed up in what I do as a profession. And the inner leadership work that I do is actually because I found how important it is to do that work that create that inner transparency so that you can become really um, good okay. at what you do, good first as a human being, and then you become an amazing uh, professional and, and leader and entrepreneur from a human perspective, because the, the human texture needs to be top quality. That's what I like to say. And so that's, if I, if I go back and, and I go back to um, explore and, and look at my experience, that is the, an amazing gift that I received. I was able and I had the opportunity to really sense, experience, and work through those inner elements in order okay. to overcome the situation I was in. It was my choice because I could have uh, uh, decided not to react, not to act on it, but just to fall into despair or give in to depression or um, I could have chosen many different ways to deal with it. I chose to use any moment to grow my, myself as a human being, to discover okay. my identity, to discover who I was and the authenticity of who, who I was, to discover my limitations, to discover what I wanted to do, who I wanted to become. And I think that in today, because we have so many um, stimuli around the world. There are so much diverse. There is so much diversity. The, there are so many opportunities. Unless we are solidly grounded in who we are and we know who we are, not because we cannot change, but because we do need to have a sense, a strong sense of who we are. I think it becomes very difficult and challenging to navigate into this world because you are pulled and pushed in all directions, and so you want to have a. a a clarity, at least begin, a, mm -hmm. begin to have clarity around who you are, who you can be, and what are your boundaries, uh, 
and, and start to really familiarize with yourself because then you can be in this complex world without being pushed and pulled everywhere. But you can keep yourself intact while you're moving through. And if you're an entrepreneur and if you are a leader and, and um, a, a leader, for example, in an organization, uh, he or she, they have people that look at them, they rely on them, a leader influences people. You, you really want to be solid within yourself and have solved as much as possible your inner conflict, because then you are free to, de- to do actually an amazing job for the people you are leading. So I, I think that today, to be honest, I think that doing the inner work of leadership is one of the most uh, important um, um, investment that we can do. What can the average person, whether they are on a front line in a business, um, an entrepreneur just starting out, what can the average person do to help find that inner person with themselves? Is there, there is no such thing as a silver bullet or a magic bullet to do this, I know. But is there something that, that we as individuals can start to do to be able, be able to build that inner leader, that inner self a little bit better? I, I agree there is not a silver bullet <laughs> with it, but there is a starting point. And I think that a starting point that put us on a path and then we discover and we become curious it is really to give value to who we are right there. When we start thinking, when we start exploring, when we start investigating, doesn't matter what we do, we can look at ourselves and be proud of who we are right there and then. And then from that point, begin to explore, how can I be how can I know myself a little bit more? What it is about me that I like? What it is about me that I, I believe I can do better, more of, less of? So start really to learn about who you are. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Whereas we take for granted sometimes that uh, we do not have the value or we, we are not worthy enough. And I'm, I'm saying, no, let's start. Let's begin to admit to ourselves that Wherever we are, whatever we are doing, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And we start to build on that. Yeah. And that, you're, you're absolutely spot on because I know for me and a number of my friends and colleagues, we struggle with um, sometimes being too hard on ourselves and not giving ourselves credit where we deserve to get credit. Other people will pat us. Our radical friends will pat us on the back. But sometimes we are difficult to do that. And what you just talked about really gives us the key as to why we need to try and do that. And I think that's, that's so strong. As we look into the future, the last 12, 14 months or so have been radically different. And you've gone through a lot in your life with your book coming out. What can we do moving forward? That's, that's the thing, because we're in a world that's, I don't want to use the word collapsing, because that's really a scary word, but what can we do, and what insight do you have for people today around the world, whether we're in Southeast Asia, or whether we're in the United States, uh, middle of Europe, it doesn't matter, what can we do? Um, well, well I, I guess, how do we maintain our hope? 
How, yeah. Yeah. Know. No, no, no. It's it's clear. Um I, you were you, you were about to use the word collapse <laughs> and uh, you you stopped there because maybe it is a strong word. And yet, um become speaking of a love for words, um becoming familiar with the fact that when our world collapses which also means that the world that we used to know or how we used to know the world is changing. We want to not to uh, be fearful of it. Right. And, I, and, and I think that what we can do, uh, which is what helped me in my situation when my world actually collapsed, um, was to learn to believe and learn to believe that there are possibilities that I am not aware of, that there are things that I cannot think of, that there are scenarios that I cannot imagine in positive and in negative, doesn't matter. There is something beyond what I believe and think that is still there. And so this gives, um, gives hope because uh, the idea that I am limited to me Mm -hmm. is a positive uh, okay. idea because if I am limited, there is always something that exceeds me and that could be amazing. And even if I cannot see it, even if I cannot feel it, if I believe that is there, that's what I go and look for somehow. I tune into something that, that that's why I called my, my book The Unexpected and Gift. And that's exactly where I was looking at is you, your book's called The Unexpected Gift. And if we're looking at it, so you look for something that's not expected. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what I found in my experience is that the unexpected was always there and was always on the way, even if I did not know, even if I was not aware, and even if I found out later. Later, by looking back, I could see that it was actually already in action. And the, 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 the goodness, the positivities, the opportunities, the possibilities that I did not see and I was suffering in the moment that I did not see, they were nonetheless already in action. And, and when I realized that, it was always later, never in the moment, but all the time, I, I learned that the unexpected and the unexpected gifts or something positive is already, it is already there. It is already happening. It's just my moment of realizing it that comes later. Right. I don't know if that's, that's. Uh, no, and that makes perfect sense. We're not necessarily going to see it in the moment. We may not see it for days, weeks, months, even years later. Yeah. You know, there's certain things we make a job move, we make a change, we get fired, we lose, we change this, a divorce, anything of that nature, you know, can have a profound impact yeah. on what's going to impact us. And the unexpected gift, I mean, we can get that in uh, on Amazon, I'm assuming, and all those places. Yes, it is. It is on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Okay. And by the way, just go on LinkedIn uh, and search out Dr. Um, Barbara Dallapetzi. That's P-E-Z-Z-E. -E. Um, so look, look up, join in, follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, the, the stories you have shared with us today have just been fascinating. I mean, inner transparency and inner leadership alone 
is, is so powerful right here. And it blends in well with some of our other guests we've had over the year uh, of doing the podcast. Uh, Thank you. We keep going for hours, but we've been on here for already for about our time that we try to keep it so everybody can listen on a commute to work or wherever. So, uh, Dr. Bellapetzi, I, I really, truly thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been enjoyable. It's been a learning experience for me. And keeping our hope alive is really key. So we find out who we are, keep our hope alive. And uh, thank you very much for joining us here on the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure talking to you. And hopefully uh, your audience will be finding yeah. this. And I'm sure our paths will cross again sometime soon. Hopefully they will. Yes. Hopefully they will. When the, when the pandemic gets lifted, we can travel freely again. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, every week on the Teamwork Advantage, you get pr practical, useful ideas that you can put into place right away. And Dr. Dallapetzi has given us exactly that today, uh, helped us give us some ideas on what we can do as individuals to get a little bit stronger. Every week on the Teamwork Advantage, we help you do just exactly that. And you know, if you're a frequent listener, you know my phrase, being average is not good. So don't go have a good day. If you're listening to the Teamwork Advantage, you are not average. Go make it an excellent and exceptional day. Bye-bye.